A very warm welcome to The Early Retirement Show, the show dedicated to helping you navigate the nuances of an early retirement, a non-traditional retirement. Now let's get right into the episode so we can learn how to retire early. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Early Retirement Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Ari Taublieb, and today we're going to be talking about myths and not just telling you about them, but I really want you to understand, okay, not just what about them, but what can I make sure I'm avoiding? That way I can focus on truly what's most important. And today, where I always like to start is by giving that overview of when we're looking at retirement planning, it is quickly overwhelming. When there's investing and taxes and withdrawal strategy and social security and all these different pieces that I want this to be fun, and the way I keep it fun is by taking listener questions and applying them to episodes. So thank you for all those who do continue to submit your question to my website, earlyretirementpodcast.com. Before we hop into the three major myths to make sure that you don't even have to consider these in retirement and not use what I call any more mental bandwidth on thinking about them, what I want to make a quick announcement about is that I was on the Ready for Retirement podcast last week with James Canole. And we talked about what are the five things you need to think about when it comes to preparing for retirement today. Even if you are 5, 10, 15, 20 years out from retirement, or if you're just a few years out going, hey, how do I make sure I set myself up really as intentionally and as, I want to say successfully, and obviously there's many factors to that, but really how do I create a retirement that you'd be really excited about? Not just, yes, I'm able to meet my needs, but no, I can do much more than that. And here's how I'm going to do that. So that's what we talked about in that episode. Check out the Ready for Retirement podcast if you've not seen that already. But without further ado, um, a reminder that everything is on YouTube. So once again, all of this content and more is on my YouTube channel. Feel free to check that out in the description. Sometimes following along with a visual can be helpful. So making content on YouTube as well as the podcast. If you're enjoying listening to the podcast, I do appreciate it. If you wouldn't mind leaving a review, hopefully a five star review if you feel that it has been helpful. So let's now get into the three myths to make sure that you avoid and really what you should think about instead. So number one is that you must pay off your mortgage prior to retirement. Now, this is a big myth because it depends as often. And you'll hear me say this. Sometimes it's annoying. It's like, all right, I know it depends, but give me some actual helpful feedback here. And that's what I try to do as opposed to what I feel is so much fluff in the industry. And so when it comes to, okay, do you need to pay off your mortgage or not? One basic example I share is sometimes people say, all right, do I need a million dollars to retire? Do I need 3 million or 5 million or 10 million? And the answer is you need $0. What you need to do is replace your income, whether that's through your investments completely, whether that's partially through investments and partially through social security or rental income or inheritance or a pension or whatever it is, that's what you need in retirement. You need to replace your income. So some people don't have a dime in their investment portfolio because they have an extremely healthy pension and they have rental income. So once again, it's not as if, oh my gosh, do I need X amount of dollars? You don't. So going back to this mortgage question, is no, you do not need to pay off your mortgage before you retire because a simple example is if you have a mortgage rate, and I know this isn't likely what it is today, but let's assume you have a fixed rate and let's assume that's at 4%. Well, if you have that, great. Well, what does the market historically do over time? If we just look at the S&P 500, historically that return has been 10%. Now, of course, we can never guarantee that. Um, 
And that's why when we build a retirement strategy, we want to make sure we don't just, of course, have the S&P 500. We don't just have investments growing for us. We have those that are conservative so we can pull from. But a basic example with this is really asking ourselves, do we feel we could do better than 4%? Because if the answer is yes, well, then let's pay the minimum to that mortgage. Let's do the minimum payment and let's invest the rest. Now, another example that I share with clients is that when you see your investment go up, hundred, two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, you don't have a party. Okay. It's just not human nature to have a party. You might go, well, I'm happy about that. But when you do pay off your mortgage, there's almost a weight that gets lifted off based off of my conversations with clients. And they share with me, Ari, I know I could probably do better if I do invest over the long term, but in the in the short term, it doesn't feel like that. And I just love the idea of having less debt. And by the way, I am too. And so the reason I bring this up is it's not a right or wrong. It's really what lets you sleep better at night. Is it really not having a mortgage going, hey, that's one less expense. And now all I need to do is make sure I can meet my living expenses and be able to take the trips I want to take. Wonderful. That could be a great reason to pay off the mortgage, even if financially it might not make the most sense. Too often the comfort of having that home paid off is not looked at when it when we do the financial analysis, which is just that. It's a financial analysis. It doesn't really tell you what you should do, which is why when people reach out to us to work with us, a spreadsheet alone doesn't give that ultra confidence of, yes, I can retire and I can do all of these things. It does the financial answer, but then there's also the, hey, how do you feel about that answer and how does that really connect to everything going on in my financial life when it comes to legacy goals and tax planning and investments and all of these things we didn't talk about today, but I have other episodes on. So that's the first Myth, is that you do not need to pay off your mortgage before you retire. Number two is a big one, which is a common question. It's, of course, a listener question, how I chose to put this in here for today, which is that you need dividends to make up the way you're going to live off of income in retirement. And I always tell people dividends are wonderful, but what is a dividend? Well, let's just break it down very simply, and you will you could look up this on Investopedia, but the example I share is when you think about dividend investing. It's a company saying, thank you so much for investing in the company. Here's a dividend. And so it can feel very good. And it's a a sign that they have the ability and the cash flow to do that and pay it to you. But what I'm asking myself when I invest in dividend paying companies is what could they do if they didn't pay me that dividend? And you'd probably go, well, I don't like that. I want the dividend, which yes, we want the dividend, but could that be working for us in a more effective way if that dividend was being reinvested into the growth of the company? So as opposed to a company paying me a dividend, I would almost rather have them reinvest into the company for a greater what we call total return. So not just dividend, not just what was the, the too, too often people look at it from a vacuum perspective, where it's, what's the dividend of that company without looking at what's it historically grown by? And then people do it on the opposite side who are go, hey, what can I expect from a growth perspective, which not even which doesn't take into consideration the dividends along the way. So that's why it's crucial to look at the total return of an investment to understand, okay, how do we make sure that we are growing our money as intentionally as possible? How do we make sure we're withdrawing our income to the, call it, best degree we can without ever running the risk of running out of money? And the way we do that is by having enough in conservative investments, having an understanding of what we need to create income from, that way we can supplement the rest with either dividends, with either interest, with either just gains of those investments. So the myth here is that you need dividends to make up your income in retirement. And the answer is you do not. 
one small tangent here, and I promise not to make it too long, is that I get to speak with very cool clients who are doing amazing things, whether it's doctors or lawyers or people in tech companies. I have the pleasure of speaking with people, and they tell me just exciting things about their jobs and what they have going on. Well, Ari, why are you bringing that up? I'm bringing that up because as I'm talking about these different myths right now, I have so many different myths in my head that I want to explain, but this would be a four-hour episode, and I would put you all to sleep, and that is not my goal. My goal is to keep retirement fun. And so what my clients are always telling me is, oh my gosh, I have all these fun thoughts about, hey, I want to build this new project with this company. And I've thought about actually, hey, does it make sense to acquire this or just thoughts and things that come up, which is very normal. And I want you to know that if you go, oh my gosh, or I love hearing all of these myths and these are things that I've read about but haven't really heard explained in this way, let me know because I will make more episodes just about this. So let me know really what is most helpful because that's really how the show gets better. It really gets better from your guidance. I'm taking what I think is most helpful. And when a client, of course, says, hey, Ari, can you explain this? And my friend would love an explanation on this. So I will certainly do those as well. But do know that this really is collaborative. So please let me know. The third myth here, and I'll hop right in, is that when you are older, you need to have a less risky portfolio. And I tell people that it really comes down to the way they reframe risk because risk to me is not the ups and downs of what's happening in the market right now. That's just not fun, but that's not risk. That's short-term risk. The real risk is that you run out of money and the risk is that you aren't able to do what you wanna do. And that's a real risk and that's a permanent risk. So how do we protect against that? Well, we do that by making sure that we don't just own conservative investments that will feel really good in the first 5, 10, 15 years of retirement and then come back and bite us in the latter years of retirement. And we also make sure we don't have too many investments that are growing because if that's the case, well, then all of a sudden when the market's doing what it's doing, where are we going to pull income from? So the myth is that you are an older investor if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s thinking about, oh my gosh, should I start to make my portfolio more conservative? This is the traditional thought. And I want to really invite you to think about this completely differently, which is that you are not no longer a growth investor, which I know that's a mouthful, but the reason I pause there is it it kind of flusters people when they hear that, but it's true that you are not because you need your income for the next 20, 30, 40 plus years potentially, especially if you want to retire early. So if you're in your 50s now listening to this and you want to retire early in your 90s, and wonderful, but that's 40 years of income that we need to replace. And so it's not as if, oh my gosh, do we have five, 10 more years to live? It's no, we have a, a lot of years that we need to make sure our income is keeping up with. And we do that by investing in the companies that raise their prices. So when Apple raises their prices, well, how do we protect against inflation? We own the companies that raise their prices. So when you go buy an iPhone, well, you're participating in the profits of that as an example. So the myth is that as you get older, you need to be less risky. That's not the reality. The reality is that as you are older, you need more conservative assets that you can pull from allowing your money to grow for you so that you never run out of money, so that your money never outlives you from a value perspective. So once again, almost want to reiterate it in just ultra plain English because I know there's so much on this, but let's assume that you say, Ari, I have a million dollars and I want to be able to retire like many of our clients. Wonderful. If that is you, well, if you're in a 60-40 portfolio today, 
60% stocks, 40% bonds. Well, that's wonderful. And then if we look at an average withdrawal rate of a $1 million portfolio, if you've heard me from other episodes, I'll talk about the guardrails approach, which explains that you can take between 52 to 5.5% out of your portfolio and never run out of money, assuming you're following certain rules. And then traditionally, there's that 4% rule. But the 4% rule is alluding to you're only being invested in essentially intermediate-term U.S. bonds and large domestic companies. So it just doesn't go far enough. In the 4% study, well, the problem with that study is that assumes that you want to live for 30-plus more years. The guardrails approach 40-plus more years. So the reason I bring all this up is to tell you that if we want to be able to call it have a million dollars and have $50,000 a year to be able to, to meet our expenses, call it add Social Security on top of that, let's say that with you and your spouse, just call it 40s combined. Well, Now we have $50,000 that can be generated from our million-dollar portfolio, and then on top of that, we have another $40,000 coming from Social Security, and I'm not even talking about taxes or inflation right now. But the reason I bring this up is, okay, so that's $90,000 we need to make sure we can live off of every year. Wonderful. We have a million dollars, and we're in a 60-40 portfolio today. Most people say, should I be in a 50-50 portfolio? Should I have more bonds as I'm getting older? Which is not a terrible thought, but what it doesn't do is it doesn't take into consideration your specific goals. For example, if you tell me, Ari, well, based off my Social Security and based off of my retirement plans and the projections, and I've gone through a process, that I want to make sure at a minimum at all times I have, I don't know, call it $150,000 on hand at all times. Okay, if that's what you want, wonderful. We'll say, where did that number come from? Well, if you need $50,000 to come from your portfolio, that represents essentially three years of living expenses because $50,000, that's what you want every year. You have $50,000 you can gen- you can reasonably create from your portfolio. And if we say, let's have three years of living expenses, wonderful. So how can we have three years of living expenses just on the side if we need it? The average market downturn is two to two and a half years. So that means we can always pull from these when the market is doing what it's doing. We don't even care because we have enough set on the side. So if that is you, wonderful. Well, what is three years of living expenses? Well, three years of living expenses, once again, is $150,000, $50,000 times three. So right off the bat, that tells me we need at a minimum, and a very much, I say a minimum because we haven't taken into consideration how you feel about this, which is a giant consideration because sometimes we'll come back with feedback on this. And if you go, you know what, Ari, I understand the financials, but I'm not sleeping well at night, then we're missing the whole point of what we're doing here. But if we just look at the finances, one again, well, 15, call it $150,000, three years, once again, That's what it represents from your portfolio. That's what you need. Well, if that's what we know we need, well, that only represents 15% of the overall portfolio of a million dollars. You want to make sure you have 150,000 on hand to pull from. Wonderful. That means on paper, you could theoretically have $850,000 in assets growing for you because you have enough that are in conservative assets. So when people say, all right, should I have a 60-40 portfolio? Should I be more, call it, you know, risk averse in retirement, I argue, no, I argue it completely depends on your situation. If you tell me, Ari, I want to spend $200,000 a year and I want three years of expenses. Well, right there, that's $600,000, 200,000 times three, which tells me that if you had a 60-40 portfolio, you would not be aligned well for your goals because you are going to run out of money and you actually need more in conservative assets to meet your expenses. So really it comes down to living expenses, but the big takeaway here is, As you get older, it's not, I just need to have more bonds. It's, I need to have a custom strategy that tells me how much 
in conservative assets I need. So I know that was a lot today. Those are three myths that I wanted to make sure I can go over. If this was helpful, please do once again rate the show. That is how more people find the episode and how it help more people retire early. If you're saying, wow, this is interesting stuff, I never heard of it, I guess explained this way or, you know, my goal is to try to make it as simple as possible and there's a ton of fancy lingo in the retirement world that my my goal is to distill. And if this is helpful, feel free to reach out to me directly in the description. You can schedule a call with me. And then there's also members of my team that can help as well. So we'll f- absolutely, we want to find who is the best fit for you and what you're hoping to accomplish. So once again, this is what we love to do. To us, human first financial planning is what we're all about, where yes, the spreadsheets are helpful and the retirement analysis and the projections and all of that great tools and software that we use. But then it's how can we pair that with a human approach to really help you get the most out of your money. What we'll say is, how do we help you maximize your return on your life? We do that by looking at investments and taxes and things like that. So that is it for today's episode. I will see you all next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Early Retirement Show. If you have a question that you want answered in a future episode, you can always go to my website, earlyretirementpodcast.com. That's earlyretirementpodcast.com. And you can go ahead and submit a question that I'll look to answer in a future episode. Thank you all for listening. Please do rate it, review it, and share it with someone who you think would benefit from this information if there's anyone out there that you know. I certainly appreciate it, and I will see you all each week. Hey guys, it's me again. Please be smart about this. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as financial, tax, or legal advice. Consult with your tax preparer or financial advisor before taking any action. This podcast is for informational purposes only.